Welcome to Curva Mundial. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Curva Mundial. I am your host, Sal Bono, and today my next guest is one of the members of the executive committee of AC Milan Club of New York City. It has taken me three seasons to have another Milan fan on this show, and there's a reason for that. So please welcome, and this is going to be a special one, a lifelong Rossonero, Franco Zagari. Ciao, Franco. Ciao, South. Uh, very good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Dude, thank you so much. You are an insanely busy person uh, that has, aside from just the busy, the craziness of what you do with AC Milan Club of New York City. So I can't thank you enough. I know it's been a packed summer for you. So thank you again for doing this. Um, as the host and creator of this podcast, I started off this whole series about my love for AC Milan and what this team means to me. But what you and the team at AC Milan Club of New York City do is something I don't think people understand. And as a fan, a diehard fan of this team, what you and the crew do kind of put me to shame, uh, which is great, which is great. And that, because there is no, all, what's great about it is, is that everyone's so collectively passionate and no one's putting each other down. It be, feels like a one big, beautiful family. But I don't think people understand what goes into organizing an official fan club for a team of this magnitude, especially in this city. So tell us like some of the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. Um, at the top of the show, you introduced me as one of the members of the executive committee uh, that comprises about uh, 10 or 11 of us. I, I don't know. I lost count at this point. It's about 10 or 11 people who um, make decisions work on things together uh speak and meet regularly like not just at games but you know kind of sit down together uh, whether it be on the phone on a zoom call or at a table together somewhere um to make sure that things stay consistent whether it's a person who's been with us for the last 10 12 years or a person who walks through the door for the first time this week so um you know, it takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of consistency, especially if you're dealing with 10 or 11 people who are trying to run the show together. Um, I think one of our points of pride is that we, we don't have a president and, um, you know, that, that everybody plays a role, uh, but there's like a collective role. I'll give you an example right now. So uh, one of the things that we like to do every week when we announce the games on our social media pages is to have a graphic. So over the last couple of years, these graphics have evolved more and more and more and more. Um, so this year's graphic, for example, was made by one of our executive members. His name is Eric. Um, and, you know, it was an idea that he came up with after I had already made a completely different graphic. And he was just like, he's like, after last year's, he's like, we need to kind of continue in that same theme, but like almost one up ourselves. And, uh, you know, we sat down as a, as a group and people offered feedback. He brought the idea to the table, but then, you know, the, the draft came out in our group chat and, you know, we just, there was, let's just say 10 different versions before the one that got posted onto social media, you know, just with people taking the time to you know, offer feedback, try this, let's try this, you know, and there's no ego involved. There's no, 
uh, like I could do this better. Let me do this. You know, it's it's that's that's the collective that goes into it. So, you know, the graphic that you're going to see on our social media this year took about two weeks to make. Wow. Um, you and know, that motif, if I'm not mistaken, the motif that you guys had last year, if I remember correctly, was it was the inside of a subway, right? It looked like. It yeah. Looked, so last year's was yeah, like a it. subway station motif. We did like, you know, we had the, the font down and, and all that kind of stuff. We would put like stickers, you know, mm -hmm. what would look like stickers up on the pole. Uh, this year's is, is it's the screen that unfortunately now used to be outside of Madison Square Garden at the entrance <laughs> because right. now that now they tore it down. So it's it's the old Madison Square Garden entrance with the big jumbo screen outside of Madison Square Garden. Oh, it's so awesome. Yeah. Because we found one with a sign that's West 33rd Street, which is the same street that the bar is on. You know, you just walk over a couple blocks. So it worked out perfectly, you know, just in terms of the address of the bar and stuff. The motif worked out really, really well. So stuff like that, you know, responding to people who are joining us for the first time, you know, um, some we have. Uh, depending on which social media platform you're talking about, you have generally about three or four people uh, as an admin on those those social media pages. We have um, about three people who man the website and answer messages if somebody contacts us through the website, like on the contact us section of the page. So, you know, just things like that. I mean, I could keep going. Honestly, a lot of work goes into even just a day at the bar. Right. Because um, it's not like just like everybody walks in and whatever, like we're, we're very mindful. We've been doing it for so long at this point. So the, those of us who are the most regular at the bar always make it a point to look around. And if we see a face that we don't know or if we see somebody, you know, perhaps avoiding interaction with everybody else and maybe they're new, you know, just walking around on game day and saying, hey, who are you? Ciao. Benvenuto. You know, whether they're from Italy, they're from New York, they're from elsewhere you know it's it's one of the things that we try to do as well and you then guys do that great and like i just want to say because i was that like shy and i'm not normally shy but it's weird like walking into a bar and everyone's like in uniform and by uniform i mean like the jersey and all that and i'm you know and i'm rocking one or maybe it wasn't that day the very first time i went and i know it was Derby de la Madonina. i was there with another buddy of mine and we were just like there's just it's packed and you know but like people were coming up and just saying hey what's up you know, like, why don't, why don't you come see what we're about and see what's going on? And it was just, and it became that wall just immediately broke down that it wasn't because you go to some places and you go to some bars and everyone's can be territorial. Um, you know, I remember drinking in Brooklyn back in the day, you know, when uh, this is going to be a very hipster statement before Brooklyn <laughs> was cool. Um, I just remember like uh, going, you know, and it's like finding a quote unquote soccer bar in Williamsburg Greenpoint way back in the day. And it's just like making you feel like crap because you didn't support the team that was on TV. And it's like, I just want to go for a pint and watch a game. I got nothing to do today. I got some right. free time. And that, you know, whereas like, and that was always kind of the vibe that would happen in New York city. You guys did that differently. And I was so proud that it was the team that I love that was doing that. You know, it wasn't, it was like, it wasn't like, I mean, if, if it was it, if it was an interclub of New York city that, all right, cool. That's great. You know, thank you for like extending an olive branch. That's really sweet of you. But like the fact that my club made me feel welcome and made other people feel welcome, even if they weren't Milan fans, that's awesome. I, I, I just want to say thank you because that has been our vision since we, we moved to the city, 
you know, we, we started as a part of the Milan Club of New Jersey and uh, things evolved from there just to keep it short. And eventually, you know, we had our own vision that was that was different than the vision of the club in New Jersey. The club in New Jersey was more of like an old school social club. You know, they had their own clubhouse, which was actually really cool. You know, we would die for something like that in the city. It's just impossible with rent and things like that. Um, but it was it was quiet. You know, the it was like an older crowd. They like to sit at their tables. Like if you got too rowdy during a game, it was, you know, wasn't always welcome depending on who was there. And we we always had two visions when we decided, okay, we're going to move to the city and just do this on our own. One was we just wanted to create the atmosphere that that we have created. You know, when you walk into Football Factory for a game, it's you're going to be rowdy. You know, you're not if you're sitting, you're in the minority. You know, respect to anybody who wants to sit during the game. I can't do it. I just can't bring myself to do it. I like to pace. I like to to fidget i don't know i can't be sitting anyway so you know just creating that atmosphere that we call like the stadium like atmosphere the closest thing that, that you can get to san Siro, albeit being you know whatever it is four thousand miles away and the other the other part of the vision was always just to allow any milanista who walks through the door to feel comfortable welcome you know it doesn't matter if you grew up in the center of milan and you you know went to curva sud since you were five years old or, you know, you're one of our guys, for example, one of our, the members of our executive committee is from Hong Kong. Oh, wow. And, and another one is um, a son of Salvadoran immigrants. So, you know, we got people not only in the club, but on our executive committee that are of no Italian lineage at all. And I honestly, the for, you know, quote unquote, what we call like Americans, right? Like people who grew up here it's you know it's a safety net you know they walk in and they see that it's a nice mix and it, and that it is a place that they can feel comfortable but the best part about it on the other side is that when somebody from italy walks in and they think they're gonna find a bunch of quote-unquote americans americana yeah <laughs> and the and the first you know chant pops off and every single guy in that bar even if they don't know italian is chanting all of a sudden they get taken back you know, and especially towards the end of the season last year, we had people from Italy, especially, and, you know, things were going so well for Milan that people wanted a place to to watch the game. And they're like, are you showing it? And then we had so many people from Milan at the end of the season. And I have a feeling over the next couple of weeks with people still on vacation in Italy that we're going to have a couple more people coming up to us. And they're just like, whatever you created here is magical because there's the Italian side of things. You know, we have plenty of members that are from Milan that that came here to work or or go to school. Uh, you know, you got guys like me who are Italian American, grew up from Italian parents, and then you have Italian Americans, third, fourth generation Italian American. Then you have the no Italian lineage at all. And you know, like I said, that that first chant goes off and everybody joins. That that's that's what it's all about. And it took us a very long time to. I don't want to say perfect it because I still don't think it's perfect, but to to bring it to the level that it's at now, it takes a very, very long time. And that kind of circles back to your original question. You know, what what goes on? What does it take? It takes consistency. It takes consistency. It takes um, making sure that people feel comfortable. It takes knowing your audience and knowing who the people are that are patronizing the bar and who, and who want to come and patronize the bar because there there's people that I see 
let's just say, for example, like on Twitter, that I know they live in the area, but they never come to the bar. But that's fine. Like, I don't hold it against them. Like, not everybody wants to go to Midtown Manhattan on a Sunday or a Saturday. Right, right, right. You know, so um, we we do what we can for the people that want to be there. And and it's been magical. It truly is. I mean, I, I've, I've been there for a handful of times. I wish I was there more. I really do. Um, and I fall into the category of, like, I just can't be there every weekend. And we're going to touch on how you're there every weekend. But for <laughs> when I am there, for when I am there, and if you're in the New York City area and if you're a Milan fan and listening to this and you haven't gone to Legends at uh, the Football Factory on East 33rd, oh, sorry, West 33rd, do so. Um and if you're not a Milan fan and just want a really great atmosphere, I mean, this is also a great advertisement for the bar uh, because that bar is also special too. And the guy that runs it is a, is a beautiful human being. Um, so it's everything about it just feels right. If you love this sport and it's right in the center of town, but you know, one thing that I'm talking about, like how I can't make it every weekend, but you're a teacher, you're a dad, you don't live around the corner, Franco from midtown Manhattan. Uh, so how do you do it all? Well, I guess, I guess there's a certain level of responsibility that when, when you get as deep in as, as me, it's, it's hard, uh, to walk away. Like I said, sometimes the, the secret is the committee because there was a time where like, if one or two of us wasn't going to make it like back in the early days that we wouldn't have an event at all because there was nobody there to kind of like look over everything and make sure like people were behaving or uh you know just people were taken care of and they felt comfortable like because then there was like a disconnect now having so many guys in the committee it doesn't it doesn't matter whether i make it there or not for example you know in, in the fall i have a very hectic coaching schedule where if it's not a derby i'm probably going to make one or two games between you know august and november and that's the truth but then at the same time, we don't have to worry because at least two or three of the other members of the committee will be there. Mm -hmm. So there's always somebody in the bar to kind of like facilitate and welcome those new faces. And I think, you know, that's that's part of it. The other part of it, like you said, is is Football Factory itself and the director, Jack Keen. Um, this is our 10th anniversary in that bar. This season is marks the 10th anniversary of us in Football Factory. Um, and much of our success and much of our consistency that, like I spoke about, is thanks to him because he doesn't care. We've we've reached a point now uh, where he doesn't care who from the committee is there. He he knows that he's going to show the game that day. So wow. that's and and the funny thing is, is that in 2022 or in now going to be 2023, it's still difficult to find a bar to show a City A game, period. Yeah. That is not an, a quote unquote Italian bar or an Italian neighborhood. Like, I still struggle with that. I'll never forget, like, again, back to one of those like Brooklyn hipster bars, like back in the day, buddy of mine who I've had on this show, we went to go watch Derby della Mandanina at a at a bar in Brooklyn. It also happened to be David Beckham's debut for PSG. Oh, so that's how far back this goes. They turned the game off in the middle of, as soon as like they got, they had Beckham on the smaller TV, us on the bigger TV. And then as soon as he showed up on screen that he was coming on, everything switched. And like, we got, we got shafted. And then yeah. like the small TV broke, whatever. So there was another couple so it's like my buddy and I, another friend of ours, and then a couple that was at the bar. So five people watching this. 
someone was able to like get a stream on their cell phone and where we are huddling around a bar and look i love david beckham former milanista wonderful but it was also sort of going he's gonna play 10 minutes there's still 10 minutes left in this game and you're gonna switch right that's how it was and i feel like in so many ways it really hasn't changed there is starting to see, we're starting to see a little bit of a shift and i don't know whether it's post-covid i don't know if it's because of social media and like the amazing things that the guys at IFTV have done in New York city, what you guys have done, what other uh, city uh, clubs, fan clubs here in New York city have done that making the voices heard that no disrespect to Premier league. It's, it's amazing. It's got all the money. I, you got to watch it. It's fantastic, but it's not the be all end all. Right. And w- whether, whether it is or it isn't, doesn't mean that there's other leagues that are not right of quality. And I, I think I think part of it really is social media. I think uh, between, you know, the things that the guys at IFTV have done, um, you know, even just podcasters like yourself and bloggers and, Thank you. Um, you know, just the, the spread of social media and the way algorithms work these days where you can see stuff that you're not following. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I hate, for example, like Instagram's algorithm where like they give suggested reels and things like that. But for, for us as a club, it's been a godsend because right. it's helped us expand the reach on that platform. Um, and to a point where, you know, somebody like Sandro Tonali says to you, I I've seen your Instagram account, you know, and that's yeah. like, you fall to the floor and you're just like, did you really just say that? So, you know, that, that's, that's the thing. I, I do believe that social media has helped, um, City of themselves, especially, realize uh, the market that they have here. We're not just talking about, you know, former Italian enclaves and and, you know, sons of immigrants like myself that that watch the league. There are people who have a genuine interest in the league. Um, and I think they've finally smartened up where, you know, obviously they've come here and opened up an office and, you know, we've started to dialogue with them, too. Um, are they still very far behind? Yeah. Um, you know, take take our Canadian friends, for example, who don't even know if the same carrier as last year is the carrier from this year. Or like our friends in Australia who who kind of run into the same problem every year. The people in the Middle East, I think, have to watch Steady on like a paid YouTube channel this year. You know, it's um, there. There's something to be said about, you know, modern day football and just keeping up. Right. And first you got to catch up and then you got to keep up after. So. Serie still has a long way to go, but I would say even in comparison to, like you said, um, you know, whenever that Beckham game was, what was that at this point? Eight years I was, ago? I think that was 10 years ago. Yeah, eight, 10 years ago. So compared to that, you know, Serie was on what? Fox Soccer Channel back then or whatever it was, you know. Paramount has done a great job. I, I would like to see Serie a little bit more on on a cable TV network you know, more than just CBS Sports Network once a week and not like the main marquee game. Uh, but I think we're we're getting there. And, and fortunately, you know, it's it's a conglomerate effort. I think that clubs like ours, uh, Roma Club of New York does a really, really great job. You know, the Inter Club just started a new chapter in Manhattan. It's called the Inter Club Manhattan. You know, U- Juve has, you know, a number of clubs in the area. They have one in Manhattan and they have one in Jersey and in Queens. So. Um, I, I, I believe that if these clubs keep the consistency up, you know, it'll help expand city on North America. For sure. I mean, it's just, 
I, I hate to say it's got to be the loudest voice in the room, but I it kind of does. Like, and at this point, and I mean, I'm like you, just the kid of Italian immigrants, or one. My, my dad is an immigrant, and grand grandson of uh, four Italian immigrants. You're taught never to be quiet, right? Like, so it's just you know, it, you know, live. I, I I don't like stereotypes, but if there's one we got to live up to, I think it's this one. And now we're at that perfect point where we can do that. Um, and I want to now talk about how you became such a huge Milan fan. How did all that come about? Yeah, so uh, my dad was a Milan fan. It's a simple answer. So my dad was a very uh, big Milan fan. Grew up. Uh, in the 50s and 60s watching, you know, pretty strong Milan teams of the time or at least following, you know, however he could from Southern Italy. Uh, moved to America in 1969. And at that time, it was it was easy for somebody to kind of like lose touch with their culture, especially the sports side of things. Um, and he never did, fortunately. And, and um, I was born in 82. You know, and from the minute that I could understand what soccer was, uh, he made sure that the team in red and black stripes was our team. Um, you know, it's not it's not dad's team. That's our team. That's who we cheer for. Obviously, you know, being born in 82, by the time we we got to me being five, six years old, it was pretty easy to become a Milan fan. You know, I, I, I started watching and, uh, you know, thought it was normal for Milan to demolish Real Madrid five nothing you know at five years old it's just like oh yeah they played good <laughs> you know and then you look back and you're like <laughs> you're like one of my earliest soccer memories is is true footballing history so it's like you know it, it was easy let's put it that way and you know yeah. obviously the rest of my childhood helped yeah. you know, Capello's Milan uh you know Zaccheroni's Miracle Milan and then Ancelotti's Milan as a young adult uh you know my early 20s so that's that's a very straight answer. Very, very, very easy to become a Milan fan. Yeah, you know, and what's funny is, is that we've been spoiled. I mean, the teams of the night, late 80s, the 90s, as you said, the young adult, Angelotti's era, early 2000s, we were spoiled, you know. Yeah. Um, but for the last decade, we've suffered. And what's funny is, is that now... And since Pioli, maybe Gattuso, I'm going to say, I'm going to go with Gattuso. Since Gattuso was manager three, three and a half years ago, I started to see like a little bit of a shift where there was an invested interest in this team from people that weren't paying attention prior, which I was kind of into. It's like, oh, okay. Like for so long, people forgot about us. I mean, I remember when we signed Kyusuke Honda and we became the biggest club in Japan, which was awesome. But like, it didn't do much. Um, and now it's kind of like Gattuso, maybe because people grew up with that name. I don't know. Like, and just the, it's the, it's the meme seen around the world. Sometimes maybe good and sometimes maybe shit. I don't know, but he became like a focal point in a weird way. And we started playing good. Like we didn't look terrible and suddenly people started taking an interest and now forget it. Now I feel like, Everybody I talk to or I run into, it's just like, oh, your team won or our team won or what? And it's like people are talking about this team. And I haven't heard Milan spoken about like this in a very long that I almost forgot about it. Like, I, you know, it's sort of like that Wolverine meme 
where he's in bed and he's looking at like an old picture of somebody. <laughs> yes. It's like, I would stare at that old picture of like, you know, Maldini holding, you know, his Champions League trophy and being like, because <laughs> that's all the, he had. Or that picture of like everybody in the wall, like Pirlo, yes, yes, yes. you know, it's like all the legends, like on a, on a free kick wall. And it's like once upon a time at Milan, you <laughs> know, like, you know, I got to hope that Carlos Baca, you know, can get an assist today. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, look, here's a, here's Kalanic, who's like seven feet tall and supposed to be scoring a thousand goals and can't run straight. Like, yeah, I think, I think you have to go higher than Gattuso. I think you have to go to the top. And, you know, around that Gattuso time was the end of the Mirabelli time and the start mm-hmm. of the Elliott time. And and people can say whatever they want about Elliott and they can say whatever they want about budgets and, you know, uh, restricted mercados and whatever. But Elliott saved this team. You know, yeah. there were years, you know, when they emptied the curva and they had the banners, save AC Milan and, and all that kind of stuff. Guess what? They did. You know, they really delivered and they gave us what they what we asked for. And with, you know, with Maldini and Masada, like it's it's just like anything else in life where where strong leadership trickles down. It trickles down into the culture and it becomes ingrained in the culture of the team. You know, think about a couple of years ago. I always use this example. I mean, it's a very mundane example. Some people might even roll their eyes at this one. But like a, a guy like. Um, oh, my God, why am I forgetting his name? The, the Portuguese striker that we bought. Oh, Andre Silva. Andre Silva. Yeah, I don't know why I kept saying Tiago Silva in my head. Andre Silva. I, mean, I wish we still had Tiago Silva. Love him. Andre Silva failed, and he failed for a number of reasons. But it, I, to me, on the surface, at, at least, in in terms of optics, yeah, Andre Silva was a guy who just didn't want to be there. Right. You know, I, I just don't think – forget about whether or not he was on a good team. Forget whether or not on a personal level whether he was performing – he didn't seem like he wanted to be there. He he didn't speak Italian, you know, and that's the part where I said, like, people are probably going to roll their eyes at that. But I, I, if you look at today's team, you know, a guy like Tomori was speaking the language with his teammates yes. six months after. And I believe, I truly believe that that is something that came from the top and was brought down into the culture of the team. And that was something that was missing, you know, prior, you know. Uh, you could see in in those dysfunctional Milans that there was, like, clicks. You know, the, 100%. The, the players with the French background would stay with the players of, of French speaking background. The players with Spanish speaking background would stay with each other and the Italians would stay with each other. It was, you know, you would see videos from practice and, and those guys were just pounding around just by themselves on social media. You could see who was hanging out with who. But, you know, when when you see a guy like Kalulu, uh, you know, palling around with Florenzi and, and hugging and, and all that kind of stuff, you're talking about guys of 20 years apart. Two completely different backgrounds, speaking the same language. I, they did something over the last couple of years that that has created the new culture. They didn't try to emulate right that's stuff from the bingo. past. They took the elements from the past that worked and brought it into you know a twenty twenty two Milan that was desperately needed. I agree with you on that because, and one thing that gets my goat so much and it angers me to no end, and I think you and I have conversed about this on Twitter is I hate when I, I despise it with every fiber of my being is when a new player comes and they do this in Italy a lot too much when a new player comes oh he's the next so and so and you compare him to a legend like we just you talked about the clicks and the players I remember when uh 
uh, uh, Paqueta, uh, the Brazilian, he was the next Kaká. Let the kid be that kid. And he now talks about how he's like, I was so depressed at Milan. I was so depressed there. And like now he's killing it in France. And I'm so happy for him. Yeah, but it's like you know they did the same thing with Gabriel Barbosa, Gabigol. You know, he's the, yeah, he, he yo, he's gonna be the new the next Vieri, or he's gonna be the next Eto. And it's like that dude scored twice for Inter, cost them all this money. He's now a goal scoring beast back in Brazil. But it's like he talks about it all the time. He's like, I was depressed. He's like, how could I be depressed in the biggest club in the world, one of the biggest clubs in the world? It's not supposed to happen, but it does because there's that thing that they do and no one did that with this group of kids except for Tanelli. and it was just and i love the fact that pirlo immediately squashed it and it was just like aside from the hair he's he's nothing like me and he's so right about it because here's the thing is andre pirlo is my favorite player of all time i it you know i can't say enough about how much i love him yeah it hurt when he was at juve but one thing that I will say about Tonelli is that he's already shown 300% more aggression than Pirlo ever did. And, you know, it's, it's, so it's kind of like, yeah, let, let them just be, let them just be who they are. And do you think like that plays a role into it too? Or am I just like kind of crazy that it, cause it drives me nuts so much. No, it absolutely, it absolutely plays a role. You know, just, you know, you could take the, the Catalade, uh, saga that we lived through for the last month you know of of you know people getting on planes and going to belgium and you know capturing maldini outside of a outside of a, an elevator you know all defeated and stuff and it's just like you know we're not helping anybody you know if we you know now we got him so we we got our our main mercato target okay so that part of his saga is over and now we're just going to Again, throw the caca uh, comparisons on him and and see how he reacts. You know, fortunately for Tonali, even after a bad year, he recovered well. Not not every player does, and I I don't know what happened to Tonali. I think, you know, perhaps being Italian helped him. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's it's sad to say. You know, maybe the media was willing to show a little more uh, patience with a guy like him instead of a guy like Paqueta. You know, Pakistan was in a different time too. You know, he was he was just part of still half of a toxic Milan. You know, right. still you know, still a lot of toxicity there. So, you know, f- probably you know for Tonali too, just the 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 fact that he uh, is part of this less toxic Milan was able to to overcome his his you know challenges. Let's say of the first season. Yeah, for sure. You know, in a lot of ways, I got to say, there is something to be said. And I know people talk about spending and money and all this stuff and how much we didn't do this summer. But when you keep a core and you have a core that drives, I mean, I know you're a huge hockey fan as well. You're a big New York Rangers fan. Here's where we disagree because I'm a huge New York Islanders fan. But like, uh, I know. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Look, after last season. Yeah. All right. After what's going on this offseason, for sure. This is not a hockey podcast, but. One thing that like, but the Islanders kind of like the Milan team of the eighties, they kept a core and that's what kept them going. That's what kept yeah. them winning. Um, you know, you can say whatever you want about Napoli over the years is that, you know, maybe they spent too much on certain players that didn't pan out, but they didn't spend enough, but they kept a core and they were fighting for second, third, first place. You know, like that's, there's something to be said there 
for all of that. And I'm kind of happy that we didn't make too many splashy signings. And I know a lot of fans might come me at pitchforks. And by the time this episode airs, I'd have no idea <laughs> when, when, when it will, and when, you know, where we will be in the table, but with a core there and you have, as you said, great leadership off the field, we know Ibrahimovic is not going to come back until at least January, but he's very in tune to what's going on this preseason. He posts about it all the time on social media that you know that they're, that the eyes are on them and they got it. That's why I think Inter also did well after losing all their stars and Antonio Conte is that they had a core. You built that camaraderie, you built that core. Um, you know, and it's, it's crazy that now you and I are older, whereas like these teams used to be older than us. And now we're older than some of these players. Like, does it feel weird for you talking about them in the context as if like when you were a teenager talking about them? Yeah. You forget, um, you know, you hear somebody's birth date. And they're like, yeah, this player was born in 2001. And I'm like, wait, what? You know, and or like, you know, even the first time in, in your adult life where you remember a player's debut and you're watching them retire, it's 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 insane. And now, like, you know, I'm, I'm turning 40 this year. So um, just being at a point in my life where I've gone well past that where I remember a player's debut. I've seen him retire and now he's like a coach and he's got gray hair like me. And, you know, it's like, it's, it's insane, you know? So um, definitely a different vantage point from, from an older uh, person. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's weird. And I feel weird about it sometimes, you know, but it's it's just the way life works out. But one thing that's cool about being older is, is that you get to experience a hell of a lot and get to talk about it. One of the things, coolest things I've ever seen that you got to experience this past summer is that after 11 long seasons on Milan, win Scudetto, and you got to hold that beautiful, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful piece of silverware in your hands. What was that experience like? How did that all come about? It's funny. I, I recently saw uh, a like distant cousin of mine, not distant cousin, but like a third cousin, you know, so you don't see him all the time. And he was like, he's a big wrestling fan. Uh, so he's like, you guys are such marks. He's like, you guys got a replica trophy for, for when they won. And I, I went, no. <laughs> and he's like, wait, what do you mean? I was like, I was like, that's a, re that is a replica trophy. Obviously we didn't have the one that was on the field on the same day. Uh, but on the, on the day of the Sassuolo match, um, you know, Milan took a 3-0 lead at the end of the first half, so things were looking good. Uh, at about the 65th minute... Go ahead. No, we had seen that story before with Milan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I was like, this ain't over until it's over. I had people texting me, and I'm like, no, I've seen this story before. So I'm sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, I've seen this movie for sure. Um, at about the 65th minute, I get this random message on my WhatsApp. And normally during the game, and I'm not really looking at my phone, but I, I guess we were just trying to capture as much content as possible that day. And just, I was, you know, looking down, I guess at that point, everybody was relaxed. So I looked down at my phone and the, the message says, uh, ciao, you know, hello. It's, uh, my name is Michele Chicarese. I'm the, I'm the marketing director for Serie A in North America. So he's from the new office. 
I'm like, hi. <laughs> and I had been in contact with somebody from his office a couple of times prior, but not he himself. Uh, and he said, uh, we'll be by at the end of the game. And we got a present for you. That's all he said. And my response was just, you know, horn emoji. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> stop talking about possibilities of the end of the game. We still got we still got 30 minutes to go here. Um, not, I, I just want to point that out to people that don't know the Italian culture that well. That doesn't mean rock on. That means warding off the Malocchia, which, yes. oddly enough, to nerd out for a hot second, it was Ronnie James Dio, who of Southern Italian descent, former singer of Black Sabbath, who started that and people have co-opted it as like rock on it's it's warding off the evil eye malocchia that's a so, great aside yeah that's what I've, I've been trying for years to find a way to pull that one off so thank you franco that's solid throwing a do reference in hell yeah. pod. that's great but, so, so that's what franco's doing he's saying to the guy at the, the league office here in new york city please don't jinx us yeah so stop so obviously the game is about to end and he texts me again and he's like, we're outside with the trophy. And I had, I had a feeling when he said, we got, we got a present for you. I'm like, I'm like, it's gotta be the trophy. What else could it be? Dude. And so the game ends. I'm like, all right, give me a couple minutes. Obviously, you know, we're going to party in here for a second and then I'll come out and get you. So I was able to actually get the whole bar's attention. I went up on the on the main floor of, of Football Factory is a loft. And we had a megaphone that day. So everybody's partying. Everybody's going nuts. So I just get on the megaphone. I'm like, guys, nobody go anywhere. I say, we got a present for you guys. So I go outside. I say hello to him. He's got the trophy. And we actually parade it into the bar. It's funny, like back to the ho- hockey reference. It was like when they bring out the Stanley Cup. <laughs> And we went, we went the long way. I was like, I'm like, we're going to get up on the bar and we're going to raise this thing. But we took the long way to get all the way around the bar. And, uh, and then we got up on the bar and he literally, we did a trophy presentation in football factory. Like the bartenders, some of the girls, like obviously the, the male bartenders, you know, they're Irish and they're British and stuff. They knew exactly what was going on. They're like, heck. But like some of the girls were like, why are they standing on the bar? What are these three men standing on the bar for? <laughs> so. And he did. He he handed the trophy over uh, to me and one of the other founders, Giancarlo, and uh, we lifted it. It was, it was a surreal, surreal moment. Um, and it, it was cool. You know, it was, it was something um, just on a personal level for, for a club that, that has worked so hard over the last couple of years. It was, you know, it was a release for us, too. It was, you know, a joyous release, cathartic in the, in a positive sense. Yeah, man. That, there's a photo of you outside. I believe it's Legends, and you've got this look on your face like no one's touching me today. Like, <laughs> I, I, like just like this, this, this awesome like smirk. That's not a smug smirk, but just like yes, like, and that's and it just. I'm thinking as you're telling this story, I'm like, oh, this is this is it. Like, you know, seeing that photo in that day, and the, the video is obviously posted it capped off a landmark year for not just the team, but for your club as well, for our club, for the, for this city, you know, hosting events at the 4040 club, you know, getting Jay-Z's attention, you know, uh, you, you hear and see that rock nation were doing clothes with a Milan drop. Like that would have never happened five years ago, but it's catching on Virgil Abloh is off white rest in peace. Virgil, yep. his company now is going to be doing stuff with Milan. Like, 
people are now catching on to something that has been special for so long. And I think a lot of it also, again, goes back to like seeing that craziness and that photo of you holding that trophy with the rest of the guys from Milan club in New York behind you and with you kind of just represents that of just like, yeah, like this is what it's about. Like eventually you, you know, you can do this too. Yeah. Like, and that's my message to people who are trying to start up clubs and stuff. Eventually this could be you too, but you know, um, to be honest, you know, sometimes I would, I would say to people, you know, put in the time, you know, just because you found a bar and just because you made a Twitter handle doesn't mean that it might happen right away. If it happens right away, good for you. That's sick. Um, but sometimes you just got to really put in the work and show, show the club itself how important they are to you. You know, show Milan how important they are to you as a city, as a club. Um, and I think I think it's important for for people to keep that in mind. You know, when we talk about all oh, me holding a Serie A trophy or you know doing a doing an event alongside uh, Rock Nation and and things like that, it, it it took a long time. You know, we've been at this for over a decade, and you know we're we're just seeing some of these things now in the last four or five years. So, you know, it takes patience. Uh, it definitely takes consistency. Uh, we're very 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 fortunate, obviously. Being in New York helps. I will never deny that. Uh, but but we're very fortunate, and I'll, uh, you know I I don't take a second of it for granted any day. You know just just to be able to hop on a Teams call with the director of marketing at at, at Milan uh, to dialogue with the with the guys and the directors in charge of Fondazione Milan um, to for them to say hey you know do you want to do an event this year. And for them to come to us and say, you know, we, we really appreciate everything you guys have done. You know, we want to pay it back with this event. You know, they sent us a jersey this year that says NYC Club on the back with a number one. Nice. Um, you know, just in, as a token of appreciation, you know, but it, it takes time and it takes work. So just to be recognized for that that type of stuff is... Like uh, I always use the word magical, you know, as, as a kid, I didn't grow up in an Italian enclave. I grew up in a, in a very mixed, you know, suburban New York town, you know, and in, in, in my time, especially in my early childhood, you know, most of those kids were not watching soccer. You know, if Same, I was talking man. about Milan and Juve and whatever, <laughs> I was talking yeah. to a cousin or a family friend, yep. um, Same. you know, and, and I could watch every game every Sunday with my dad, but it was always something that I wanted more. And to to be living, to be living in what I dreamed about as a kid is is phenomenal. You know, we 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 pack a bar with two hundred people, three hundred people on the scudetto day. The the bartender said that was at least five fifty six hundred. You know, wow. To to be able to organize something for Milan fans that have all craved the same thing is magical. It is magical, and it is living. It's living, living a small dream. You know, there's, there's no like monetary kickback where you're making a living off of it, but you're just living a, a hobby dream and it's great. There's a fulfillment there and it's beautiful because the other thing too is, is that none of you guys are selfish about it. You share it with the rest of us. You share it with 
us. And like, I get a little emotional thinking about it because again, like as I told you before this podcast even started, that Baresi event, I was like you, man. Like I didn't grow up in a, a huge Italian neighborhood. It was more Irish than anything else, which was awesome. Like, you know, a lot of Irish American friends. It was great. Yeah. But like, it just, it was hard to find that, it, especially when Baresi played, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it wasn't until I got older. And as you said, like outside of family and friends, oh, it's not, I'm sorry, family, you know, there weren't many friends talking about it. As you got older, you find like-minded people, you find people that have same interests. That's where it all clicked. But to be able to have then met him at one of your events, dude, if you told 10 year old me that, yo, you're going to meet this guy one day, I would have laughed in your face. That would have exactly. never happened. That would never happen. Oh, and you're going to meet him at a bar. It's not going to be at like some random bump in the street where he's on vacation in New York. No, you're, it's going to be at an event and there's going to be other Milan fans there. I would have told you you're nuts. That never happened. I have a better chance of like playing for the New York Yankees than I do that. But it did. And so you guys share it, you pay it forward. No one's a dick. Like, that's the thing. That, like, <laughs> that's the thing. It's just, it's a really, it's a cool thing. And I know I keep talking about it, but it's just, you don't see enough of that. And I think for me, I started this podcast because I missed interactions at the bar because of COVID. Yeah. And, you know, I want people to know that like, you can go to a place and it'll be cool. And you can have fun, and especially in New York City, where everyone kind of is a dick. There is a group of people that are not going to be like that. So, you know, uh, again, man, Franco, I got we're in the home stretch. I got three more questions for you, uh, but I can't thank you enough for what you do. And tell thank the you. people here how they can find out about what you guys are up to. Yeah, you can look us up uh, com. Or on any of our social media platforms, we use the handle at AC Milan NYC. Um, just look us up on any of those platforms or on our website. Shoot us a line if you'd like any more information. And we watch all of our games or nearly all of our games at uh, the Football Factory at Legends Bar, which is 6 West 33rd Street, right at the foot of the Empire State Building. It's an easy place to find. For sure. Um, one thing that I do want to say is, um, you know, it is a bar. So, um, unfortunately, uh, under 21 uh, cannot enter the bar. Uh, sometimes they do let uh, minors with a parent or an adult on the main floor of the bar, but it's not a guarantee that the game is shown there um, unless we, you know, otherwise noted by us. Um, so, you know, that that's the only caveat, but, we, you know, we really appreciate everybody uh, who comes out to our games and stuff, like you said, you know, just come out, you know, come out, don't be a dick. <laughs> That's it. That's it. There's only one rule. The other thing too is, is that when you were talking about everything and all the hard work that goes into it, one thing that we didn't bring up and we touched on, and actually we maybe we did bring it up was that when this team was in the doldrums and by Milan standards in the doldrums, as close to it as you can get. I know in the 80s, they got regulated to City B, of course, and popped up and became like the Phoenix that rose and greatest team of all time. Sorry, Guardiola's Barcelona. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, is that what we've seen and done, especially you guys, at, you know, at the club here, is, is that you support them through thick and thin because that's what it is. It's it's easy to cheer for Milan when they're winning now and when they're cool and when, you know, it's it's they've got flashy players and it's great. But, you know, when they're down 
for the count, it looks like that's when you've, you know, put your chips behind them a little bit more. And I think maybe they heard you over these years from New York screaming so loud from those bars, from that bar and, you know, raising those voices again. So hopefully, but we'll I, if, if, if they did, then, then good on us, but good on them also for, for listening to people, even in the hardest of times, you know, even in the hardest of times, like, like I said, thank God for our home, the football factory, because even in those hardest of times, he, always had the door open for us and okay, maybe we weren't pulling 200 people in 2016, right. in, you know, one of the worst seasons, especially for like a Kiev or Milan or something, right. but you know, there was still a crowd, there was still a crowd and, and, you know, now it's only grown and we welcome it. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to gatekeep Milan from people. Oh, for sure. You know, I just wanted to grow. No, no, not you. I'm just, yeah. I was just making a point. I'm yeah. not, not saying that's what you were getting at, but yeah. you know, you know, we'll, we'll welcome bigger bigger crowds this year hell yeah now time for a coffee break curva mundial is sponsored by mod cup coffee in jersey city but you can get it anywhere in the world from modcup.com mod cup drink modern coffee use code mundial for 10 percent off your first order all right buddy so here we go three questions rapid fire ask everybody if you could bring back one retired player to the team, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Rude Gouley. All right. And why is that? Uh, he's a versatile player. You could put him in a lot of spots on the field. Uh, probably one of the strongest players I've ever had the pleasure of watching play. He's still probably one of my favorite players of all time, if not my favorite player of all time. Uh, and on today's Milan, you put, you put a versatile and strong guy like him in the 10 spot, which is what he was uh, on Pioli's Milan. That's, that's a fun player. That's a fun player on a fun team. So give me, give me Gulli. All right. If Milan could sign one, now money's not an option with this question. I got to oh, give the caveat here. No money, no blank check here. No ceiling. If you, if Milan could sign one player today, who would it be and why? Holland. Okay. Yeah. Erling Holland for sure. Um, people probably going to raise an eyebrow at this, but when I watch him play, he's, he's stronger athletically than Van Boston, but his movements and some of the goals that he scores are the closest thing that I've seen to Van Boston since wow. Van Boston retired. I, I know I know people listening right now are like probably like crashing their cars. Like what the heck is this guy saying? But no, I wouldn't go as far as saying that. Cause for me, it's been easy to watch him at Dortmund. Right. It's been very easy to watch him. He's a big game player in a in a good team, you know, with a solid fan base. But like they're not Bayern. Like he didn't win anything with them. And that's not his fault. Right. I was very curious to see what he would do at Manchester City. This podcast is currently being recorded after the first weekend of Premier League football. He's already made me eat all my words like he looks like he's ready for prime time and you know, the Von Boston comparison. Okay. There's me being an Italian comparing. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not me, pal. <laughs> uh, but he's just such a pleasure to watch. He there's goals that he invents that like it just pulls it out of a out of a hat like a magician, where I'm just like, holy cow. 
uh, generational player. I, and I still, I don't, I don't even know if he hit the peak yet. He's, he's that good. Like you said, he, he's ready for showtime. Yeah, man. Let's see. Let's see what happens. We've got a long season ahead of us. And now finally, what has been your favorite moment as a fan? <sighs> so hard. No, it's not. It's not hard actually. Um, so, you know, we mentioned my father, uh, before that, you know, like earlier in the in the in the show, uh, he's the reason why I was a Milan fan. Um, similar to what you said about Baresi, where you you didn't your your ten year old self never thought that you would meet a guy like Baresi in person, come face to face with him. Ten uh, year old me probably never thought that he would actually make it to San Siro one day. Um, and then to make it to San Siro with my dad. Uh, I only saw one game with him there, you know, and, and he's he's since passed, unfortunately. He passed away eight years ago. Um, we went to San Siro in February of 2004. Um, so, and so, like, I'm just going to preface this with, you know, I've seen Milan win however many Champions Leagues in my lifetime, whatever it is, five, I guess. Um you know, I've seen them win incredible games, play incredible games throughout history on television. You know, Milan Manchester 3-0 in 2007, you know, Milan Barcelona uh, 94 or whatever. We went to San Siro in February of 2011, saw a derby. Uh, at halftime, Milan's losing 2-0 to Inter. And in the second half, they just turn it on and Inter shuts down. And uh, Milan scored three unanswered goals with, with the third one coming from Clarence Seedorf, who just blessed one from about 25 yards out. And uh, the place just went nuts. Freezing, freezing, freezing February Milano cold. Um, and just one of the most memorable derbies in, in history uh, in, you know, in Serie A and, and Milan Inter history. It's one that people still talk about today. So not only to be there, but to share that moment with my dad and my sister uh, is my favorite moment as a fan. Dude, doesn't get any better than that. Yep. It doesn't. Franco, thank you so much, man. Thank you. Wow, thank, thank you. Thank you for taking so much time out of the out of your insane schedule. And uh, I'll see you at the bar. Uh, definitely. Hope to see you this season. Uh, for anybody else listening, we hope to see you this season. Give us, uh, give us a shout out. On, on one of our pages and we'll, we'll point you in the right direction. Follow us on Twitter at Curva Mundial Pod and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.